Hey guys, this is Chi from the Chi and Khalil show. And we're just going to pick up from where we left off on our last episode when we were talking about, I think it was Candace Owens and African-American vernacular English. <laughs> Enjoy the show. We also need to realize that, so whenever you're a group that is mistreated or you're mistreated personally, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. You You would think that you would have more empathy for other groups that are being mistreated. Um, That's what yeah, I would but, expect it. But sometimes it's actually worse because you basically just, in your mind, it normalizes mistreatment, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. instead of marginalized groups um, like the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. um, women, um, African-Americans, Latinos, mm-hmm. Asians, instead of us all kind of empathizing with each other, a lot of times we just pick up and want to be a part of the ruling class oppressing the others, right? Yes, yeah. So it's something that you have to realize, even if you're about it, about it for your own side, um, like when black trans people, like black trans people are part of Black Lives Movement, right? Yes, they have so... to be because they're black. <laughs> like, right. How can we be excluding? This does not make any sense. Right. And <laughs> you know? also like, you know, Puerto Ricans and Cubans and other Afro-Latinos are black too. And stop excluding them from the movement. Like we all need to be in the same movement. Like not just for ourselves, but for everybody. Um, Exactly. So like white trans lives matter too. So when people want to use the bathroom without being murdered, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't care Mm. if you think they're real women or real men or not. Like they should be able to use the bathroom that they won't be assaulted in, right? Thank you. And it's thank you. And yeah, anyways. So it's no, it's true. Yeah. It's 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 fundamental. Like, look, if if we all can't get together on this, then there's no hope for us. Because there there's two arguments. There's one that so there's the black people in this country, and because they've been systematically oppressed for so long, they're they're us getting that part right means that everybody else gets it right. And then there's the other side, which is like, well, no, that's just a black people problem. Like, you know, the the Asians, the Latinos, whoever else is not really as bad as that. So we don't need to get involved. People need to understand that because of number one, this is all of our problems. Because if they can look at us that way, they are 100% looking at you that way. I don't care how straight your hair is, how different your eyes might look, how what languages you speak, or when you even came to this country, right? Because whether you're first gen, zero gen, or second gen, they're still looking at you like you're different. Right. That's it. That's it. All right. So we're going to talk about your boy, what's his name, Ray Cicerelli or whatever, from the and the Confederate flag in NASCAR. So one, great on NASCAR, um, what, like, 200 years after um, the war ended to get rid of the traitor's flag. Um, That was like, uh, that's one of these really basic common sense things. Like we shouldn't be celebrating the traitors who killed more Americans than any other war in our history. After the Confederacy lost, there was this group of women who basically started a propaganda machine. So if you look at actual all the states who uh, seceded, mm-hmm. in all of their declarations of independence, um, they listed white supremacy and the main, maintain, uh, maintenance of slavery as their reason for seceding. So to say that it wasn't a racist organization is just 
asinine. Wow. Um, and also, wow. it wasn't about states' rights because what they were actually fighting for. One of the things that pissed them off, which made them scared of races or of their slavery being abolished, is that a lot of northern states stopped allowing, um, basically, kidnappers to go to the north and kidnap. Um, African-Americans who were living as freemen and bring them back to the South claiming that they were runaway slaves. Yeah. So there were a lot of actual freemen in the North yeah. who were living normal lives that were not actually in bondage. Yep. And basically that they would just come and grab any black man off the street, kidnap them, bring them back down to the South. Um, ergo, the 21 years of slave. Right. Or 12, 12 years, years of slave. slave exactly. Movie. Right. So the Northern states say like, hey, you know, that's messing up our economy. Like we're not going to do, we're not going to get involved in that. We're not sending any, any black people back. Mm. So it wasn't really about states' rights. Cause if it was about states' rights, then yeah. the Northern state should be able to make their own rules right. in, independent of what Alabama thought. Right. But they couldn't. So, right. So it, it was about this ridiculous fear of losing slavery um, and a bunch of crazy people, um, worried about that as opposed to actually worried about what's best for their actual citizens. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, slavery was not was not the best economical way of doing things because for a lot of reasons. Um, but it was one, easy. You, but it was easy. It was just, it was just normal. Yeah. Right? Like it that's... was normal. It wasn't. Yeah. So the North actually had a much better, a much better, um, economic system and actually you could extract more wealth per worker when you don't have them as a slave because if people thinking are thinking that they're working of their own free will Mm -hmm. they'll work harder right so there was a lot of resistance um among the slaves and it could be simple things like breaking the hoe on purpose while you're trying to tend Mm -hmm. the fields right Mm -hmm. um accidentally doing something silly and like oh i'm just a dumb little slave um (laughs) <laughs> and, the, and the amount of other thing is like the amount of violence that it took and the amount of people you have to hire to maintain the violence um, just didn't make sense. So they're holding on to an economic system that is just bad economically and morally is just morally horribly ab- abhorrent. Mm. Um, and to celebrate a morally abhorrent organization as, such as the Confederacy that killed more Americans than any other war is just asinine and there's no other country where traitors and traitors flags are allowed to fly um so hey good up good up on nascar for finally getting on the boat yeah but anyway so let's talk about your boy what's his name ray cicerelli blah blah blah, boo boo the fool Mm -hmm. so his statement well on it was so awesome number one like he's the ultimate confederate because he's never won a thing right so he could <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize that right? but yes i see the i see the connection yep 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 right. good one so the confederate flag that he's used to which is the white flag is still going to be flying um because they gave up so anyways his statement was funny because he's like i don't like where nascar is going because i don't believe in kneeling and you know i don't really care about the confederate flag but i think people have the right to do it so this is the basic Dred Scott yeah. theory that yes. that is perpetuating the United yep. States. So black, if you're not um, aware of Dred Scott, it was a Supreme Court case where black people have no rights. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not citizens. They don't have rights. So he's saying that me kneeling during the national anthem to protest police brutality is not allowed, but white people are allowed to hold a 
portray a traitorous, treacherous flag, and that's okay. Um, so I can't actually, I'm not, I don't have any indelible rights of just free speech, but white people can go so far as to celebrate traitors, and that's fine. Hypocritical. Nope, that sounds about <laughs> right for Amer- American history. I mean, right? Like, that's, I mean, he was on, he was yeah. on brand. Like, I, I, could, yeah. I couldn't even, I, I only laughed when I heard what he said, like, because I was like, okay, that sounds about right for folk like you. Yeah. And also, like, no one gives a like yeah, crap. No one does, or gives a shit. No one gives a shit about him because he's horrible. Like, he's the worst racer ever. Like, <laughs> I'm sure his mama loved him. Well, well, I mean, okay, so he's not the worst racer ever because he made the circuit, but he basically just gets the participation trophy, right? He shows up for his participation trophy every day. Like, he's never finished like better than twenty eighth or something. Wow, like, wow. Like, he's never been at hope. Like, he's never had a fastest lap. Like, he's gotten zero awards outside of the participation trophy that supposedly his people are against, right? Okay, so you know what, though? So then, so this ends our, our little our little spiel on him because now he's getting more play than he did when he was racing. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> he does not deserve the air. No, no, he does not deserve the airspace, like, which proves our point. Like, the, yeah. The, the, no. Yeah. But yeah. Never, but yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. No. Yeah, he's 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 he gets the little participation trophy. Yeah. So, so thanks for thanks for sharing. Um. So, but also like there was a school in San Diego Mm -hmm. that was named after a Confederate up until like two years ago. Like, how do you name a Confederate, uh, like a school, an elementary school in San Diego, after a Confederate general? Wait, let's think about this. So, an elementary school. In San Diego, California, which was once part of Mexico before it became California, which is all the way on the west side of the United States, a school was named after a Confederate soldier? Confederate general. Oh, I'm sorry. General. What? Yeah, I think the camera was Robert E. Lee or... Probably, um, but you oh, know yeah. what, though? That's yeah. right, because Robert E. Robert e. Lee is, is, to use a big word that I don't know the definition of, ubiquitous to American history. <laughs> well, but, the, but you don't name schools after these people? Like, and it, oh, and no, also to bring up carbon monoxide's argument of like cel- like black people are the only people who celebrate their worst um like no no Number one, actually white, america white does that. The ones who are, right yeah yeah we're not yeah we don't oh, i can't believe i brought her up again damn it yeah i mean um, you, you, I, I don't know she's in your consciousness bro <laughs> just give her a hug and let her go <laughs> so yeah, so like this is this is celebrating the worst of the worst. Yes. It was all propaganda after the war. Yeah. Um, and it just we just need to stop. Just just cut yeah. them cut them all down. Just get rid of it. It's it's ridiculous. You know, I had to look. I had to look up um, the uh, the uh, when you were talking about how the Confederacy was founded along with the flag was founded on white supremacy and um, slavery being upheld Mm -hmm. and like kept, I was like, I I don't think I'd ever learned that over time. I realized that, but I don't think I ever learned that. And when I was, when I was looking it up, I saw there's this whole thing. Folks can go to Wikipedia and then look at the citations just to make sure it's legit. But like that, there was this whole like speech and that it, it said, it literally said, and, and I'm quoting um, I'm quoting the citation, 
upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination mm -hmm. to the superior rate is his natural and normal condition. Like, I've known that they've said things like this, but that it was codified and that's how I, I just, my mind is blown. Like, I, yeah. they just, they're so meticulous in keeping their notes that I, it makes me wonder, <laughs> did they not think? Did they not think that, you know, maybe a hundred years from now? No, they didn't. Maybe we would be thinking well, they, differently. No, they, they won. They, they were dumb enough to think they were going to win. And also they didn't think that the majority of people were going to be able to read. Because yeah. if you actually Ooh, yeah. go way back to the, the colonies yeah. when they created the little, um, the benefits for white people. So white people would um, stop joining the Africans <laughs> in their revolts. They specifically said, we need a way to to keep the revolts down. So we're going to give the white indentured servants a little bit of privilege. So they'll spend all their energy keeping the Africans down and we'll keep making all our money. Ooh, that sounds like today. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's, that's Trump's whole, yes. that's Trump's appeal. Yes. That's his whole thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that way that they'll feel like they're part of the ruling class. Like they're, they're, they're Candace Owens. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They're, yeah. They're part of the power um, structure. Right. And once they, but the thing is once they ever, in all of these power structures, eventually all the people will get it. Yeah. Right. So at some certain point, um, the average working class white person will realize that they have more in common with African-Americans and Latinos than they do with Donald Trump. Right. Right. Um, well, you hope. Yeah. And right. And the appeal of trying to act like you're in the ruling class versus making yourself part of the ruling class or instead of fighting over the crumbs, like actually sharing the pie equally, it all comes out and the pitchforks come out eventually. Eventually. Um, yeah. But yeah. So anyway, it's like the, just get over, like you're talking about your heritage. Like it was five years. Yeah. Come on. Okay. It was five, it was five years. Effing years. And if you want to, you know, celebrate your her heritage, like get some decent people to celebrate. Oh my um, God. You know what that reminds me of? This is totally a tangent, but not really. That whole controversy around um, uh, Lady Antebellum, the country music group. I don't know if you heard. So Rolling Stones like put out um, an article a few days ago talking about like how Lady Antebellum's name changed to Lady A because they have now all of a sudden realized that Antebellum was in reference to a time that was not particularly good to black people in America. Somehow they just figured that out. So they decided <laughs> they were going to change their name to Lady A. Now these are folks in the mm -hmm. music industry. What they right. apparently were ignorant of, I don't know if they didn't know, but they were ignorant of it, is that there was already a pretty popular blues singer, black woman based out in Seattle, Washington, by the name of Lady A, who has been working under that name for the last 30 years. So when people saw Lady Antebellum go uh, the Lady A way, folks were like, wait a second, what? That doesn't even make sense. There's already a Lady A. And apparently there's like a whole set of laws about who can have whose name in the music industry, which is very different right. from the literary industry. If you have a title that somebody else likes, they can go ahead and use that too. doesn't matter because it's a different book. But um, in the music mm -hmm. industry, it's different. But I thought how interesting it is that like, here is this group that has known for so long that this, their name would, would, is touchy to people, but have willfully ignored it. And then in so changing their name, <laughs> 
took something that a black person had been using since longer than they had been in existence, this country music group, to pass off as um, being more politically correct. If that ain't on the surface, America, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> you know, folks, appropriate. They tried. appropriate. I want to get on. I was so excited that they were trying, and then you, you just ruined it. I know. You just ruined it. I, know. I didn't even know. And it was just a friend of mine called me because she's part of the music scene out in Washington State. And she was like, yeah. Did you hear this? And I was like, Yeah, Lady Annabellum. They decided to be Lady A. Good for them. Why don't they just go with Lady? Just Lady. Yeah, maybe they just need to be Lady or just scrap it all together. Right. Call themselves something completely different. Ladies from the South. You know what I mean? No, but it's two guys and a girl, I think. <laughs> oh. See, it don't well. work. It don't work. Anyway, and tangent, but like, I just, I don't know. It just, uh, all of this stuff has just got me thinking of, it, it, it's got me thinking of the ways that the, the dominant or the majority um, demographic here are responding to the Black Lives Matters movement, um, to these protests and are, insistence that we be seen as human it's it's still falling woefully short and i hope that they recognize that wasn't it was you and i who was just talking about like that that meme that said you know let the black people are all saying let's focus on the police and then you've got abc saying let's have a black bachelor we've been thinking about this for a year but now we're going to tell you so that it looks like they're on the same page you know like netflix with their libraries everybody now with their libraries of black books that you need to read now which only usually happens during Black History Month, right? And, <laughs> and, and not even to such a grand scale as it is now. I mean, even Etsy, Etsy.com has now like, here's the editor's picks for Black-owned shops. Legit? Did, why, why, you didn't have that before? Urban, like, yeah. I don't understand. Uber, Uber, Eats, Uber Eats does that too now. You see, like, are, are you kidding me? Like, let's support, let's support. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but but the police are still killing us because there is a man by the name of Richard Brooks who literally on Friday was alive and then murdered by an Atlanta right. police uh, officer. Are you effing kidding me? In the midst of all of this, y'all are still shooting unarmed black men. Forget armed. Yeah. Like, I don't even think you should be shooting anybody, whether they're armed or yeah, not. He was, yeah, he was basically just drunk and asleep in his car. In his car. And and they sh and then instead of instead of just taking him home, calling his friends, calling someone to have him picked up, um, calling him an ambulance and having him taken to the hospital to make sure he doesn't OD, um, they decided to escalate and continue to escalate until they shot him. Um, and that's basically the problem with that's one of the problems with police in the United yeah. States is that they're trained to escalate violence. So I disagree mm -hmm. with the first part is that all these other things don't have to happen. Because until in every single part of American life, black lives are valued, yes. um, the police are going to continue to kill people. Absolutely. Clearly. Um, Clearly. Be, be, well, I mean, they're going to, yeah. But it's not just a police brutality thing. Because if you actually look at every industry in the United States, it's racist. Yes. Like if you look yes. at healthcare, yes. doctors prescribe less interventions to black patients than they do white patients. When the Society of Gynecology Oncologists tried to delve into the disparities in survival and outcomes for um, for women with cervical cancer, the racial disparities specifically, 
um, and try to figure out why, what would happen. And this is, you know, this is actually research that's done by predominantly old white men. Mm-hmm. Um, but they found out that it wasn't like diabetes or, you know, eating too much chicken or everything else that our awesome, amazing Surgeon General claimed is due to COVID. It was that the number one intervention to decrease racial disparities in morbidity mortality and cervical cancer was black patients should receive the proper treatment for their stage of cervical cancer. That's it. That's it. (laughs) No, I I mean, in response to that, like just in the, the incredulity of it all, here I am, a black woman, physician in America, still can't get treated for pain like her white counterpart. I've, I've even written essays on this, but like, you know, apparently at the time that I had written and tried to get it published, like folks weren't interested. Now I'm sure they're interested, but they still won't, you know, pay you anything for it. But it was literally talking about how I go in post-surgery asking for pain meds and am left in the emergency room for two hours without being seen by a doctor. Right. And the, and you know how the ED works. There are lows and there, there, there are highs and there are lows, there are lows. And then it gets chaotic. This was a lull because at 4 AM in the morning, there is typically nobody in the emergency room. The physician was looking dead at me, but refused to come. I said, is it because, is it because I'm a black woman? Is it, or or, or what? I'm a doctor. Is this how you treat doctors? I had to leave AMA. (laughs) That was the first time. The second time, again, another pain issue. I was like, how is it that I'm telling you that I am in pain and you don't believe me? Like we can have this entire conversation and you're like, well, take some Tylenol. Tylenol? What, what do you think? Do you well, yeah. think that my MD doesn't tell me I should take Tylenol? Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, ah, our healthcare system is as racist as AF. Let me just put it that way. Racist AF. Well, your, your skin is thicker, so you don't um, feel pain the same way you do. Oh my God. Um, in fact, so- by the time I'm seven years old, <laughs> By the time a black girl is seven years old, she's already a woman. She can, she can deal with adult level tolerance of pain. She has an adult level tolerance of pain. This is what the research shows that it, the bias exists and people believe that. But yes, black boys can't even by the time they're five be looked at as cute little boys anymore. Somehow between five and seven, they switch to these uh, monsters. Are you serious? So there's, it, it reminds me of, there was a chief pediatric resident mm-hmm. um, so we get in on pediatrics and then they were going to talk about sickle cell mm-hmm. and she's like, well, you need to forget everything you learned about sickle cell and treating adults because kids aren't drug seekers. So it's not the drug seekers that you have to deal with oh for the adult God. sickle cell patients. And it was just like, I was like, I was confused. I was like, it's the same people, yeah, right? Same. This is the actual same person. Yeah. Um, so if they end up being drug ad- addicted to narcotics like we did it because we gave them narcotics yeah. but also the pain isn't going to magically go away at thank some you. point like they're not going to go you. from being like thank being in this, this symptom causing pain to it no longer causing pain when you're an adult like how are you go from like you say like this cute innocent child or someone you know actual human who's capable of being in pain and needing medication for it so all of a sudden now you're just a drug seeker a drug seeker but see that's a that's a physician looking at the adults now come back into pediatrics looking at the kids who are suffering from sickle cell anemia and coming in with acute chest syndrome there's whole books there's whole protocols we're supposed to look at 
to say, okay, these are the things that work so we can get that pain under control. Otherwise, this kid is going to die. Okay. And when they come out of the clear, all of a sudden the questions are, well, I don't know if this person really has pain. They might be um, drug seeking. These are kids, teenagers. And I know teenagers are, are a special group. We were all there, but they're in pain and they're asking and, and professionals, healthcare professionals are asking these questions of kids who have sickle cell anemia that they're not necessarily asking for the kids who have cystic fibrosis. <laughs> and, and the kids who have cystic fibrosis are genetically and phenotypically different looking than our kids right. with sickle cell anemia. That should tell you something. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, I can speak from personal experience, but the data already shows it. The research already shows that that bias even exists in the pediatric population. What is this? This racism is insidious. How do you really feel about it, Chi? I feel you're Oh my back. God. No, I'm, I'm so holding it. It's like, you cannot, you cannot be, you cannot go to medical school four years. And then at the end, say you graduated and took the Hippocratic oath and said, first do no harm. And the first effing thing you do is harm. That's why, that's why when they were doing these um, press briefings on the coronavirus, and I was looking at these physicians, including Dr. Fauci and, and the rest of them, I, 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 just, I couldn't watch anymore. I was like, you guys are being too political when the science is telling you to be real. I'm going to say that again. Too political when the science was asking you to be real and save some effing lives in this country. Two million cases, over 140,000 people dead. Tell me, did your politics help us? Yeah, it's the... the yeah, the the fact that science is so political oh in the United States tells you how much of a failing system we have. Yeah. Because basically, the politicians shouldn't be arguing the science, right? Right. They should be arguing like, what should we do about yes! these basic facts? Exactly. Right? Say it again for the people so, in the back. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So climate change is real. There's no reason to argue over the science nope. of it, right? The science scientific argument is done. Yep. So then just argue like, well, switching to like, you know, the whole Green New Deal, switching to the Green New Deal will do a lot of things actually good for the economy. Exactly. But let's argue over whether it'll be good for the economy or bad for the economy, et cetera. Yeah. But not deny the fact that if we don't do anything, the economy will fail we'll when regardless. The earth is unlivable. When the earth is unlivable, the economy will crash. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> Basic. Basic. So having a livable space is always better economically than not. Like, why is it so simple? Have, you don't have to be an economic genius to realize that. No, right? It could all be so simple. Isn't that what Lauren Hill said? I mean, like, but they'd rather make it hard. I don't get it. Don't get it. Right. All right, y'all, that ends part two of our three-part episode. Tune into episode five to hear the rest of our conversation. This is the Chi and Khalil Show. Hold it down one time for the West Side. Peace.